Death is one thing, murder is another. In this episode, I speak with Hope Rieger, who lost her son to murder and now supports others dealing with grief with her group, Grief to Hope. We chat about anger, justice, grief, and the financial impact of planning a funeral. You won't want to miss this episode. The Mental Health and Wealth Show. The Mental Health and Wealth Show. The Mental Health and Wealth Show. Thank you so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. This is host Melanie Locker. And first of all, I want to acknowledge that you are brave and amazing for being here. Getting ready to listen to a show about mental health and money is not easy, and I know you are ready for these amazing conversations. But before you listen, I want to let you know that all of my content is based on my own personal experience with mental health and money, as well as the experiences and expertise of my guests. I'm not a mental health professional or a financial professional, so content should not be considered professional, medical, or financial advice. As a trigger warning, please note that content on the show may include sensitive topics around mental health and suicide. So if you're currently in distress, please get in touch with a professional by texting HOME to 741-741. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. This is Melanie Lockhart, host of the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Today, I'm chatting with Hope Rieger, who lives in Delaware, Ohio, with her husband, Mike. She has two sons, Brian, 31, and Justin, forever 19, and two amazing granddaughters, Halen and Addie. Hope's day job is as a talent coordinator with a major financial institution for the past 25 years. Hope believes her purpose in life was given to her after the traumatic loss of her son to murder. That purpose is to provide positivity, inspiration, and hope to others through her Grief to Hope program she created in honor of her son. Grief to Hope is a virtual peer group support group that allows grievers a safe space to be their authentic self with the support of others who understand and know exactly what they are going through. One of Hope's quotes she likes to end each session with is, Grief changes your entire world. It can also inspire you to change the world. Thank you so much for being on the show, Hope. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. I'm super excited to chat with you. And I know that you have just gone through so much. And I know we're going to dive into that today. And I just want to thank you so much for all the work that you're doing, because I think that grief is something that we kind of are expected to do alone. We're expected to figure out on our you know, by ourselves. And so for you to have this space to connect with others is is so beautiful. Thank you so much. I, I am inspired by each and every day. Perfect. So, you know, first of all, I wanted to acknowledge that I'm so sorry to hear about the loss of your son to murder. That is so incredibly difficult and saddening. You know, death of any kind is hard, but murder feels so senseless. And so I'm curious, how have you been able to grapple with feelings of anger and feel free to share any moments of the story if you feel comfortable or not? But mostly I'm curious, you know, how have you been able to deal with feelings of anger? You know, finding out that my son was murdered, that took my breath away. It was something that um, you can never anticipate or or prepare for in your lifetime as a parent. I think that in itself was a senseless act, but I also, on top of that, had to deal with the person that took my son's life uh, was a roommate of his. Oh. He, we, I had moved to Columbus 
Uh, I live in, like I said, like you said, in Delaware, Ohio, so a small suburb of, of Columbus. I had moved to the area for my job, and my son, both of my sons were, you know, adults. They were getting to the age, and, and Justin, my youngest, felt like he could hang out with mom at her house, but also could be at a friend's house, and he was 18, and, and he eventually was 19 when uh, this happened. But he was living with two roommates, and um, they got into an altercation, as people do, and, and it started out verbally and ended up going into more of a physical uh, altercation. And then the roommate, uh, you know, pulled a gun out and shot Justin and um, oh. put it to his chest, and, and he passed away that way. But the worst thing besides dealing with my son's murder was he claimed Mm self-defense and because that because Justin did not have any weapons I thought he's not going to get off he's you know he's that's not self-defense but because Justin had him at one point against a wall while they were physically throwing punches that it never even went past grand jury. So he was never, he was arrested for murder, but later on bonded out. And then later on that grand jury did not indict him. So on top of the murder, dealing with that in itself is dealing with feeling like justice wasn't served. And so the anger is an understatement. I was so revengeful thinking and mad and and angry. And I felt like the world had taken away, you know, my son, but not only that, the person that took his life that played God at that time was never paid for it. And then it, I realized that that pain and that anger and that frustration was going to eat me alive. And so I knew that I had to take that and create something positive out of all that negative energy. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. And I'm so sorry to hear that justice was not served and that, you know, it must just feel like this horrific tragedy has happened, something that you can't recover from in a way. And then to have the legal system kind of basically put a, you know, slap on the wrist, so to speak, and mm-hmm. feel like this person has, has walked away. Have I'm curious, have you communicated with this person or their family or? No, they're not family. And, and mm-hmm. you know, to be honest with you, I think in how things went through uh, after that, the months, because this happened in November of 16, and I believe that the grand jury that um, was thrown out in March or April, I believe, of 17, And I truly believe in my heart that I wasn't put through that because I think it would have prolonged my grief because I would have had that anger and frustration and going through the trial and the grief of that, that I think that I was actually lucky enough that I didn't have to go through that, that I got to grieve at that moment versus putting it off as some kind of Um, putting it on the shelf till I got revenge or I got some justice. Mm -hmm. I think it was almost, and and I know it's sad to say now, but I put it in perspective is that it was almost like a gift that said, you could not deal with this. You cannot 
prolong this because you know it could be years or two years and and you don't even know what the outcome is and I think that God sort of told me you know what I'm going to take this away from you and I'm not going to put you through this and I want you to channel that negativity and anger and yes I was angry and I was mad and it didn't just go away but it taught me what control I had over the situation and it was me that's the only control I had was what I resulted or what I reacted to and so I had two choices I could either drown in my tears which everybody would have been okay with that right mm -hmm. everybody would have been okay with that or let them be the power and the energy of something positive that I knew that's what hope was about, and that's what my son was about. Well, I'm glad that you've been able to find a silver lining. And yeah, I think, you know, in some ways that is a blessing that it was able to kind of get resolved in a way, not necessarily mm -hmm. a better way, but something that allows you to move on with the actions instead of kind kind of staying in this limbo for, for years. And yeah, you're right. You, you wouldn't necessarily know the outcome or it wouldn't have been the outcome that you wanted even after years. So, right. you know, you are given this opportunity to try to heal and move forward. And I'm just so curious because grief can significantly impact our mental health and our wealth. And that's what we talk about here in the Mental Health and Wealth Show. So I'm curious, what kept you going during those dark days? You know, um, the first thing I have to say is that my family, my immediate family, my oldest son was a complete rock the entire time. I had him at a young age and him and I are so, so close. And I was lucky enough that I had his strength and his inspiration of what he I needed to show him that we could bounce back and we need to live our lives for his brother and my son and that we needed to create opportunities for us to keep on living for Justin and I know that he felt that but in dark days you know the positivity of my grandkids I have two beautiful grandkids like you said um, wow they were putting smiles on my faces that I never thought existed at times mm -hmm. and I went to counseling and I was lucky enough through my work that they offered counseling. And then um, I absolutely had joined a grief share group, which is like a Christian-based group that was, was more like a workbook kind of style group. But just the interactions with the group is what really I felt helped. And creating more of a power about how can I keep moving forward and honoring my son, but living for both of us. And I know that Justin did not want me to drown in self-pity, that he wanted me to go out there and do something with myself and be a, be a survivor, not a victim, and inspire every day using his story and using our story. And, and it took me a while to figure out what that was, and I didn't know where I, that was going to lead me. But Knowing that there was some kind of purpose in me and that this happened for a reason, for a purpose, um, yeah, it, it, there was dark days. There's still dark days. There's absolutely still dark days. And 
they're not as as often as they used to be, but they're still there. But the the energy and the positivity is all created from moving forward and being inspired by honoring Justin and keeping his dreams and his life alive in me. And I love everything that you mentioned. And I think that's so important to consider because for the people who remain, grief can just feel so all-consuming. It can feel like time has stopped. It can feel like your world has stopped, but everyone else is going on as if nothing has happened. Mm-hmm. And it is so difficult to continue when you feel this huge hole in your heart and this absence and this incredible loss, but everyone seemingly is going on like normal. And it's like, wait, don't you understand? (laughs) This huge loss has occurred. Like I I can't go on. But then, as you mentioned, we want to honor those who are no longer with us by enjoying the gift of life, the life that we still do have. And unfortunately, you know, what I've mentioned before in the podcast is grief is the price of love. And so when we love someone and they're no longer with us, we pay that price. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not something that's free and that we can enjoy forever. We we pay that price eventually in some kind of way, shape or form. And when it comes, it can be a hefty bill, but we can move forward by honoring their life and enjoying our life and saying, I'm still here and I want to honor everything about that relationship, about their life. I want to continue to bring their memory to others and inspire others with my experience. And I think you've done such a wonderful job with that. Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot. So, you know, talking about your group, you now work with others through your group, Grief to Hope. What is the group and who is it geared towards and how does it help others? Absolutely. Um, Grief to Hope was inspired, of course, by Justin. And I thought when it first happened, I thought, you know, maybe I'll write a book or maybe I'll read a blog, do a podcast. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And it took me a few years to finally uncover what I think is my purpose and what I believe helps in the best way possible. And it really started last year with COVID and how it was just breaking my heart to see all of the death that we were surrounded by. And, you know, death happens, but it's not on TV 24-7. We're not counting deaths like COVID. And we also weren't experiencing uh, those mothers that couldn't go and see their children or their daughters that couldn't go see their mothers in hospitals and and you know they were they were facetiming or or visually seeing them and they couldn't be there and it broke my heart and it put a whole nother layer on what I you know what I felt was grief and so in doing so with COVID my work turned virtual and I thought, wow, if I could get people together virtually, they could be in their PJs, they could be drinking wine, they could be having coffee, they could be doing whatever they want. They don't have to get up, they don't have to get a shower. They can just appear and have a group to talk to about any type of grief. And, and we welcome every single person that's going through grief at any point or supporting somebody that's dealing with grief at any point. 
we respect everybody as far as, you know, if there's a suicide or if it's health driven or if it's even if it's grandma that's lasted a very long, beautiful life. But mm-hmm. that grief is still yours. And yeah. so anybody that's affected by grief, whatever that may be, we, we try not to put levels or severity or, you know, types of grief on there. But anybody that's dealing with grief at any point in time, whether it's 50 years or, or last week, they feel like they can just come. It's a group. We do it once a week. Uh, we do it for seven weeks straight. And then we take a little break and then we get back up again. And, and it's you can join session five. You can join session two. You can join all of the sessions. It's completely up to you. And um, we just get together and it's a peer support group, which means there's no, there's nobody professional on there. We all mm-hmm. just talk about our experience and we share our stories and we give each other what, what happened to us or what we would do in that situation. And we just come together and we're authentic and you can be yourself. You don't have to, what we say is the grief mask. You can take that off and leave it at the door and just be the normal, um, what you feel is just absolutely authentic and, and real and raw. And we get it. We understand. And we go for seven weeks and we have a main topic each week that we talk about. And then within that, we talk if anybody has anything going on during the week that they want to talk about or struggled with. And then I end with a quote. And it's as easy as that. And you can come, you can listen, you can be on video, you can just listen, uh, you can dial in, but it's all done virtually through Zoom. And it's just been an amazing experience. And we're we're starting, uh, we started another session last week, September 9th. And, um, you know, like I said, anybody and everybody can come and just be themselves. I love the open format. And I think there's, so much value from learning from others who are dealing with this type of experience. I mean, I definitely find value in professional help like counseling. Like I'm glad you were able to do that early on in your journey as well. But I think as a supplement to that, it's also wonderful to surround yourself with other people who are experiencing the same thing, who can talk about grief with the same sort of lens and language that you have. And I think it's really important that you have said that there's no kind of layers or levels of like, you know, there's no grief Olympics, like I'm going (laughs) to grief, grief more than you because of this or, you know. Right. I do love that. I love that. No grief Olympics. I love it. (laughs) It's like, you know, we're all, we're all grieving in our own way for our own reasons and they're all, it's all valid, you know. Right. And, you know, the greatest thing about Grief to Hope is that when we come together, we don't judge. We don't judge any, you know, religious opinions, beliefs. We're all respectful of each other, and we all respect the ways that things happen. Um, and it's just a group that is just family, environment-oriented, and we come together together. And we're just, it's just let your hair down. Just be raw for that hour and and be yourself. And it's amazing to be around other people that's experiencing what you're experiencing. But we also, I absolutely, at each first of each session, I let them know that this is not professional. And that, again, if you need additional help, that is absolutely, I 
highly encourage it. So it's absolutely a housekeeping rule of mine to make sure that they know that we aren't licensed professionals. Thank you for sharing. So I'm curious, you know, how did dealing with the sudden loss of your son affect your financial life? You know, here at the Mental Health and Wealth Show, we're interested in how everyday life experiences, especially mental health challenges, affect our financial lives because it can affect our productivity, our work, remembering to pay bills, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so many different things. And so I'm curious if you have any tangible examples of any ways that it affected your financial life, if any, and what advice would you give to others in order to prepare? Absolutely. I love this question. You're the first person to ever ask this question. Um, And I love it because one, I think that we need, uh, I think somebody needs to invent the role of funeral advocate because when you're in the midst of grief, the the hardest thing to do is to make a decision. And Mm -hmm. when you're a mother or, um, you know, as a parent, I guess that most of us always want the best for our children, right? And so in doing so, we're not making sensible decisions within a funeral because we're talking usually it's in within a day or two of after. So the first impact that I felt was after Justin had passed and I had talked to the coroner, they basically said because of the investigation that I couldn't go and see Justin until he had been released to a funeral home. He was at the county uh, morgue because of the investigation. So I had to reach out to funeral homes and try to get them to go and get my son. And I was blown away by the amount of money that they wanted up front to go and pick my son up. And you can mm-hmm. imagine as a mother, you're like, if you want me to give you $10,000, I have to figure that out. I just don't have that. Most people just don't have that in their savings. And, and you know, I had a savings, but I didn't have a $10,000 savings. And I was blown away. And I finally found a funeral home that was willing to you know, go and pick Justin up so I could see him. And, and the, and the lady said, we'll just worry about this. You know, we'll, we'll figure this out. You don't need to come up with $10,000 today. Let's just figure this out. And I was so grateful for that. So one, um, be prepared. I think in, and it's their job. I get it. It's what they do for a living, but I had insurance on Justin Thank goodness. And so that's another thing. I had life insurance on my son that I never in a million years would have thought I've ever would have had that. And so with that insurance, that was very, very uh, supplemental. And I was able to give him a funeral that I felt was, you know, he would have wanted and memorable. So my advice, and then I still didn't, even that insurance, I still had to dig in my retirement to fund the headstone. The headstone is very expensive. Um, But then when you're at the funeral, it's like, okay, I want him to have the best casket and I want him to have the best of this. And I want him to have the, you know, and, and I, you end up with all these frills and stuff. And I could see my son going, are you serious? (laughs) So, you know, a lot of money, mom. (laughs) Right. And he was cheap. He was cheap. So I think that, um, he was probably like, mom, what are you doing? Um, so I think one, I think having insurance, and I know that we none of us want to think about it. No, nobody wants to think that they'll ever have to use it, but it really was an amazing sort of 
relief off my shoulder. And then, you know, nobody wants to talk about planning a funeral, but I'll tell you what, when you're in the midst of grief, the last thing you want to worry about is pulling clothes and music and what do you think they they want to do with photos and do they want people to come dressed up? Do they want them to be casual? Do they want... Now, with Justin, um, he wore a bandana a lot, so we all wore bandanas. And then he was such a giver, and it was around Christmas time that in lieu of flowers, I thought, oh my gosh, we could do like toys for tots. Mm-hmm. And so I had everybody bring a toy to the funeral, which, you know, it seems odd at the time, but it was such what Justin would have wanted. And we had over, I think there was almost 75 to 100 toys that we ended up giving to an orphanage in, uh, in our town and or in a close by town. So I think... My best advice when it comes to financial is, one, ask your family. I know it's not great to talk about. And with children, it's different. You don't want to ask them, you know, what do you want at your funeral? I mean, I wouldn't. But I think as parents and and spouses, we need to know what they'd want. And we need to know ahead of time. And even plan it. Like, I had no idea how to, where he would want to be buried, I mean, you know, you have family buried, but would he want to be buried there? And you just, you make so many rash decisions in that moment that if you can plan, and I know it's not a great subject, but if you can ask mom and dad or your spouse, you know, what would you like to have happen? And, you know, for me personally, I want everybody in, in sweatpants. I live in your pants, <laughs> yeah. and I wouldn't want anybody dressed up because that wasn't me, you know, and, and I dress up for work, but I don't, I'm so casual, like I'm super casual. So little things like that, find out what their passions are, what music they'd want to play. Um, it's just a, it's just a good, good thing to do for anybody that has to deal with it. Yeah, totally. You brought up so many good points. And for anyone listening, we've definitely talked about life insurance before and why it's important. So definitely check out the episode with Haven Life on why everyone should have life insurance and why it's important to talk about final plans with everyone in your family. I know it can be a very tricky subject between kids and parents and especially vice versa, but as we're hearing with this story, you just never know. So it's better to be prepared and ask those hard questions and find out some answers. And I'm curious, this is a bit of a bizarre, semi-off-topic question, but as you were talking about all of the logistics and how difficult it is, and you know, I can imagine you're so grief-stricken that you're literally not in your right mind to be making kind of decisions. I'm curious, do you know if something like a funeral planner exists? I have no idea. Now, I know that there's, they do the best that they can, but I'm sure it's a business. And um, I don't know if a funeral advocate, and what I mean by advocate, like is um, not somebody to challenge them, but to Mm -hmm. almost say, Hope, you know, is this really what you would think that they want? And, and and maybe if I would have thought about it, I would have said, yeah, absolutely. Or no, I don't think he would have wanted it. But I think if we have somebody there, and maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a trusted friend, or maybe it's somebody that comes in and says, you know, 
I hope he doesn't need those four things on each corner of the casket. And I was like, oh, yes, you know, that portrait, which I don't even remember seeing him, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. But yeah, I don't know if one exists. I have, I'm, I'm assuming maybe there's somebody out there. Somebody has created that, but I don't yeah. know. I'm know. going to Google it after this and find out just because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's wedding planners that, you know, right. plan weddings and I mean, funeral planners seems really important because people cannot make decisions about logistics or they shouldn't have to. Right. And also someone that has their best interests at heart, like, hey, do you have a budget for this? Right. I'm going to try to do my best to be within that budget. How can we honor this person so that... I can take this off your plate so that we can properly grieve this person without you doing the heavy lifting. Right. And I think that's probably one of the things that you sort of, it's almost like a guilt feeling. Like if you don't do, I would, I felt this and I don't know if other people have felt this, but let's say you can afford some of the frills that are offered. Then do you have guilt about that? So mm-hmm. like, do you, like I could, I couldn't afford this. So I got this. And, and, you know, I know it's horrible to say, but um, I'm sure I could have spent way more money than I did, but I could have spent way less money. And at the end of the day, the funeral home was amazing. And I don't want them to think, I don't want anybody to think, because they actually handled all the toys um, as well. And they they worked with everything that I had. And they were amazing. They really, truly, funeral home truly was. And we ended up having to do it at a church because there was so much, there was like, they couldn't book it in the funeral home because there wasn't enough, uh, there was like, it was busy at that time. Uh, That just sounds awful. Um... But being practical about it is probably the hardest thing. But I'm sure there's funeral planners. I just don't know if there's funeral advocates is what I call it. Like somebody there to sort of guide you through. Because, you know, it's like when somebody hands you a piece of paper and says, okay, which one do you want? You're like, okay, whatever. I don't care, you know? Mm -hmm. Just like, please, I want this off my plate. Like I can't even think straight. Right. And I think there was, you know, with clothes with Justin, because he didn't have any clothes, uh, he wasn't, he wasn't dressed that I had a hard time with, because I didn't know what to put on him. And I wanted it to be new. And I, of course, I didn't go back to that house. And Mm -hmm. so friends of his gave me a duffel bag full of stuff, but that was all they gave me. But I wanted him to have something new. So just that kind of mindset And you're going into it, and I'll tell you a story that I was in Old Navy buying his clothes, and the lady asked me, do you want a receipt for this? And I was like, well, I'm not returning it. But then I thought, (laughs) well, she doesn't know. She doesn't care. (laughs) But, you know, that's sort of, you know, your mindset. And then, you know, it's just so hard. I think, yeah, if there was a funeral advocate, something like that, I think would be amazing. So, yeah, let me know what you find out. Yeah, and also these, you know, anyone listening, these are ways that we can try to transform this kind of taboo, not talked about world and try to get more support for people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we kind of touched on this earlier, but in a different way. So I just am curious, how can people practice forgiveness for themselves after unspeakable tragedies? Because in your case, and, you know, so many cases you hear on the news with unspeakable violence that seems so senseless that it just feels like 
how can you ever forgive that person? How can you ever move on? And you hear something time and time again that, you know, forgiveness is for you, not Mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious, any wisdom you have to share with people who, you know, whatever their situation may be around forgiveness with someone that they feel has wronged them or a family member in whatever degree, how can people practice that for themselves? You know, this is a big question for me because it's twofold. Like for the first was, um, have you forgiven him? Somebody asked me that. Mm -hmm. And I said, I've absolutely forgiven him because it is not my responsibility to carry that burden. It's not, Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't carry that hatred. I can't carry that anger. And I know that he has to, at the end of the day, my religion says he has to answer about his responsibility. And I think of it as uh, he has a father to answer to, whether it's his own father or, you know, my father. And that um, I can't carry that burden. And it would eat me alive if I sat here and um, just had that revenge, like I've said. And, and I've grown and I've learned so much from that. And then... And somebody asked me if I've ever, I think, and you may have mentioned this and I, and I accidentally skipped over it, but if I saw him or do I, if I've ever talked to him and the answer is no, I've never talked to him. He still lives in my hometown that I know of. And if I ever ran into him, what would I say? I would absolutely say, I forgive you. And just, that's just for me. That has nothing to do with him. And he's got to carry that. He's got to carry what he did. I don't have to carry it, but he does. And, you know, and maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he actually, um, you know, says it, it, Justin was responsible and Justin did this and Justin created, and that's his belief. I can't change that. I can only control what I believe. So forgiveness for him and, and, and is, is, something I don't think about. I just know that I've sort of forgiven him. I have forgiven him and and I've had to let that go. Now for me, that was the hardest. Forgiving myself. And I'll tell you because as a mom and, 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 or just as a person in general, things happen in your life where you could have, you do all this what if, right? Mm -hmm. So Justin called me the night that it happened, and I did not answer that call. I was on my way to the movies with my future daughter-in-law at the time, and I said, oh, there's Justin. He must want money. Just thinking as a 19-year-old kid does, mm-hmm. um, he wants me to send him money, or he's he needs money for food or something or whatever. And I so I didn't answer it, and I said, he'll call back if it's urgent. And that was my exact words. He never called back. And so I said, must not have been urgent, must not have been a big deal. And I said that during the movie. And that probably was the hardest thing to get over. Is one, I could have had that last conversation. We always said, I'd love you before we hung up. So not answering the phone and then not forcing him to live with me. Not saying, no, you're going to come. You're not going to stay at your friend's. I mean, he was 19 years old. I don't know if I could have forced him to live anywhere. But what has helped me through that is 
when I was in counseling and the lady, my counselor, she was great. I walked in and it was this cute little young girl. And I'm like, I don't know what she's going to teach me. But she was amazing. <laughs> she was amazing. Um, and I love her and I'm so grateful for her. But she said, Hope, everybody has free will. So whatever your actions you could have changed, he would have had a reaction to it. So yeah, you could have answered the phone, but what if he would have said, I needed money and hung up and you said, I love you? Could have been, or it could have been, um, you know, you guys got into an argument or a fight and you left and you hung up on bad terms. Mm -hmm. Or you could have forced him to move in with you and he was miserable and you guys argued and fought all the time. But you had a relationship where you guys, you know, loved each other and called each other and you knew that they loved each other. And that's where life sort of, came into an end so we can what if all we can all day long and I can what if all day long but at the end of the day free will is there and there's actions to and then there's reactions to the actions so I believe I had to let that go and forgive myself for anything that I think of what ifs of course there's always I wish I would have but at the end of the day, I can't bring Justin back and he would not want me to drown. Um, like I said before, he doesn't want me to drown in my tears. I don't want to drown in tears and self-pity. And he would want me to keep living and, and being positive and upbeat and not surround myself with the negativity of what ifs. And so forgiveness was huge. I had to do it for both me and for the gentleman that, that hurt, you know, that took Justin's life. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, I think that's such an important point because when something traumatic in our life happens, it's so easy to play the what if gymnastics game mm -hmm. and just like you're constantly doing these hoops and twirls around what if this, what if that, what if, what if. And one of the hardest things to let go of is playing that game and just to accept things as they are and to think that I have to accept reality of this is what happened. I have to accept things as they are, not as how I want them to be. Right. And that can be so difficult because it can feel like, but if I let go of the what if game, if I let go of this, then I have to process these feelings that I feel like will swallow me whole. And like, I don't know how to do that. And I think the what if game can be, kind of a an avoidance strategy in a way and i mean right. it's a it's a coping mechanism obviously mm -hmm. but at, you know through the healing we ultimately have to come to that realization that no matter what i could have would have done this is what happened and i have to accept that because things are only going forward and and that can be so difficult but i'm glad that you've come to a place of of peace with what happened and you know understanding that this is the reality unfortunately and now you're using your pain and your grief to hope to inspire mm -hmm. others on their own journeys absolutely absolutely so if people are dealing with grief and want to join your group how do they get started and where can they find you Sure, absolutely. I have a website. It's www.grief, the number two, hope support.com. And on that site, I, you can 
you know, go in. Uh, we have monthly newsletters that go out. You can email me directly. It talks about our sessions and it, it's a really cool website that was set up um, that you can absolutely email me and then you can also sign up for the newsletter. And then Grief to Hope has a Facebook page and an Instagram page and a LinkedIn page. You can also reach out to me, Hope Reger, R-E-G-E-R, on Facebook and uh, LinkedIn as well. And again, you can reach out through my, you can email me through my webpage or message me on Facebook. We also have a private group Facebook page that we use uh, for current members. And, you know, if you want to join that and just, you know, talk to people that have been through Grief to Hope, they're more than willing to absolutely answer any questions that you have and just reach out. And if you have anything you want to share with me or ask me what it's all about, please do. I offer this Grief to Hope is completely free. There is no charge. Uh, we meet, like I said, once a week. And it's just an amazing group that I just am so, so proud to be a part of. Thank you so much for sharing it. And I'm so happy that you're doing this amazing work and that's such a wonderful gift to the community that it's free of cost so if anyone listening is dealing with grief right now definitely check out grief to hope and get in touch awesome thank you thank you so much thank you so much for listening to the mental health and wealth show want more content and support sign up for the mental hump newsletter and get our free mental health and money inventory worksheet you can sign up at mentalhealthandwealth.com and also check out our other blog posts and podcast episodes. Also, we host a mental health and wealth hangout every other Thursday over Zoom at 5 p.m. Pacific to chat about all things money and mental health. The best part, it is free. If you'd like to support the podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a review. And you can also support me at ko-fi.com forward slash Melanie Lockhart. And lastly, I want to remind you to do something for yourself to take care of your mental health and wealth.